Welcome to Leadership Conversations, a podcast by the Sustainability Board Report. Join us as we engage in conversations with business and civil society leaders, educators and advisors discussing the role of sustainable leadership in today's world. The Sustainability Board Report is an independent, not-for-profit project. We aim to showcase different dimensions of sustainable business leadership and corporate governance. We publish reports to help individual leaders, organizations and investors to understand the changing landscape of environmental, social and governance factors. Welcome to today's episode of Leadership Conversations. I am Helena Guedasdottir, the Project Manager at the Sustainability Board Report, and I am here with Frederick Otto, the founder of TSBR. On today's episode, we were joined with Neil Stewart, the Director of Corporate Outreach from the Value Reporting Foundation. Freddie, that conversation was really interesting, but I would love to hear your insights of how that went. Yeah, thanks, Helena. Neil explained quite well how the Value Reporting Foundation was created, how the integrated reporting standards and the SASB standards, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, were brought together under the Value Reporting Foundation. He's also talking about the ISSB, the International Sustainability Standards Board, which was created last year on the COP26 meeting. And it is really fascinating to see how a lot of standards being merged and it's much clearer what boards, business leaders and investors need to look at. So he takes us through the history of the Value Reporting Foundation and the ISSB. And for everybody who is technically involved with ESG, I think the conversation is really worth listening to. Helena, what was your favorite piece? Yeah, sort of to echo everything you've said, Freddie, I think Neil has a wealth of knowledge about the ESG landscape. My biggest takeaway was to approach ESG as a topic, sort of as a journey. He speaks about, you know, the importance of just starting the journey, no matter how complex it may seem. Ultimately, ESG factors are becoming more evident that they are, you know, important for business risk and performance. So becoming more important for everyone to get started, I guess. And I think, you know, this is all about communicating this transition that businesses are going through and that this can be done through reporting. But as you said earlier, it's really about how do we sort of simplify this so that everyone can take part. Overall, I think this conversation really helps people understand a bit the landscape and sort of the history of the Value Reporting Foundation. And I also think it was really nice to hear when we asked him the question that we ask all our guests in terms of a favorite story of a particular leader that has an impact on himself or society, where he mentions a lady that works with Ford and sort of the impact that she is able to make with the power of the right reporting in this space and how that impacts the the company as a whole. So without further ado, we can go to today's episode. In today's episode, we welcome Neil Stewart the Value Reporting Foundation's Director of Corporate Outreach. Neil focuses on advancing awareness of the organization's resources and helping companies worldwide with implementation. He's a member of the Value Reporting Foundation's Assurance Task Force and oversees the SASB Standards Consultant Content Program. Neil brings to the Value Reporting Foundation more than 25 years of experience in and around investor relations and corporate governance. It's great to have you today, Neil. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Frederick. This podcast is all about the person first and then the organization. So could you tell us a little bit more about your background and the work that you do at the Value Reporting Foundation? Well, my career has always been around this interface between business and investors or providers of capital. 
I spent much of my career as a financial journalist. I was the editor of Investor Relations Magazine. We had launched and, and held the IR Magazine Awards around the world. After some high-profile corporate collapses like Enron and WorldCom due to poor corporate governance, we launched Corporate Secretary Magazine. And along the way, I saw the emergence of this notion, this idea of corporate social responsibility, of CSR, and how that evolved through various guises. We, along the way, we talked about corporate culture, about corporate purpose. At one point, I referred to corporate soul. We saw the, the emergence of ESG as an investment priority. I remember being at the launch of the Principles for Responsible Investment at the New York Stock Exchange in 2006, and then going uptown to the UN to hear a debate about whether it would violate a director's fiduciary responsibility to pay attention to ESG factors. Just think that debate was, was still going on now, whereas now boards recognize that ESG factors are business risks, are vital to performance. So I saw this evolve. I, was, I had always been working with companies and investors. I moved on to corporate banking at Citibank, helping issuers devise investor relations and ESG strategies. And I began to see, especially after the financial crisis, how investors right across asset classes, right across different institutions, began to integrate ESG into their investment processes. However, they lacked industry-specific decision-useful ESG data to guide their stock picking and their voting decisions. And that's where I saw SASB, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, playing a role and saw that this was where I wanted to be. I saw that having the SASB standards was unleashing capital, directing it towards really making a difference in the world. And that's where I, I realized that I'm not an environmental scientist. I do not have an MBA. I'm not a, an investor. But if I can make a difference, it's around helping the advancement of these ESG standards to direct the flow of capital towards making a difference. And that's how I found myself at the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. That sounds great. And, and my background is organizational consulting. So I hear you when you say you heard of this and you knew there was something about this, something more that can be done. For me, actually, SASB was a, was a game changer as well. I think it's all about materiality in the first place. I can recall so many um, conversations and presentations that I had with various business leaders, and they were really lacking this understanding of materiality. And I think SASB did a great job of showcasing what is important to what industry. So can you tell us a little bit more about how the Value Reporting Foundation was created and how SASB is a part of this? The Value Reporting Foundation was created out of a merger uh, just last year in 2021. Uh, the, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, SASB, came together with the International Integrated Reporting Council, or IIRC, to create the value reporting framework. Now, what was interesting here was that the, you know, the, the IIRC had always been focused around business decision-making, about capturing this holistic view of a business and how value is created to help drive business or management and board decision-making. SASB had been more focused around investor decision-making. And to your point, investors focusing in on what was material to the performance of a company in terms of ESG factors, where were the impacts on revenue or costs or risk? And so SASB had been focused around this decision-making aspect of ESG. 
Both organizations had focused on business reporting, on ESG reporting as a means, a, a common language between businesses and investors. And now by bringing them together, we could have the whole cycle under one roof. That is from management and business decision-making through reporting to investor decision-making, and then ideally a feedback loop, a virtuous circle back to uh, guide the decision-making of management and boards. The other big reason why the Value Reporting Foundation was created, actually, I'll tell you sort of three key reasons. The first is that we heard the call loud and clear for the rationalization, the simplification of the ESG reporting landscape. Companies and investors had long complained about proliferating standards and frameworks, competing demands, almost an overwhelming a number of demands from all sides around ESG, we needed to simplify. The second reason is that we saw that there had been many mapping and alignment efforts, but none of them had really made a difference in the landscape. What we needed was organizational disruption. And then the third reason was that we recognized that by combining the networks, the relationships, and the resources of these two organizations, we could get to the scale needed to really make a difference. And also, we began to see the emergence of a, a movement and effort to create a global uh, international sustainability standards board under the IFRS foundation. And so really the Value Reporting Foundation was created to help support that effort as well. Perhaps we can talk about the simplification piece a little more. And there's a lot of press at the moment about further consolidation of standards. So can you talk a little bit about the process of that IFRS consolidation and the status of the ISSB that I think now really houses the most important standards globally that are important for enterprise value, right? So let me introduce you to the ISSB then. This was announced at COP26 in November 2021 in Glasgow, the big UN climate conference. And essentially there were three announcements made. The IFRS Foundation, which oversees the International Accounting Standards Board, made these announcements. They announced they were forming the International Sustainability Standards Board. They announced that they would consolidate the Value Reporting Foundation. And again, that's comprising SASB and the IIRC as well as the Climate Disclosure Standards Board, or CDSB, so bringing them under the IFRS Foundation. And then the third announcement was the issuance of two prototype, two prototype standards, a prototype climate standard and prototype general disclosure requirements. Now, those prototypes are not yet standards. They're not even exposure drafts yet. They, what they were, was, were recommendations by a technical readiness working group that had been at work for, for most of 2021. Now that working group comprised SASB and the IIRC or the Value Reporting Foundation, as well as the World Economic Forum, bringing with them their stakeholder capitalism metrics. Also the TCFD or Task Force on Climate related financial disclosures, again, bringing the recommendations that the TCFD had, had promulgated around climate risk. Also the CDSB, as well as the IASB itself. When we say simplification, what we mean is genuine. That is, we are bringing together the work, the standards and frameworks focused on the investment world from these members of the Technical Readiness Working Group, and we're combining them into one set of standards under the ISSB. There's the, no doubt that when the ISSB was announced, many boards, many uh, business figures perhaps rolled their eyes 
and thought, oh no, not another report, not another acronym. But we are really actually removing acronyms from the table here and simplifying the landscape. So when you look at these prototypes, for example, the prototype climate standard, you will recognize the basic structure of the TCFD recommendations, which the investment world and the corporate world have really, really strongly coalesced around. You will see the elements of governance, strategy, risk management, metrics and targets. You'll see the cross-industry metrics uh, from TCFD, such as scope one and two greenhouse gas emissions, and if material scope three, but then you'll see the industry specific layer that comes straight from the SASB standards. And that's essentially what you can expect to see going forward in the ISSB standards is the four pillars of the TCFD around any, whatever the ESG issue is, be it a human capital issue like diversity and inclusion or a, a board level issue like cybersecurity or environmental issues like water or emissions, you will see those four pillars of governance, strategy, risk management, metrics and targets, plus the industry-specific layer of requirements from the SASB standards. And you, and you just mentioned board members potentially rolling their eyes. Can we talk a little bit about the magnitude of this simplification and also what that means for the board in general, probably investors as well, and let's be more specific, non-executive directors potentially on sustainability committees. Will they have less engagement with less people and have it all more consolidated or will they still be looking at various other frameworks and have their audit companies to audit various frameworks? How does this work and what's the magnitude of this to the board? Well, what the ISSB is seeking to set up or establish is a global baseline of standards focused on enterprise value creation and the information needs of investors. So we're talking about investor grade disclosure. Now, I would also call that director grade. And the reason is that directors need this information. They need it comparable and consistent. They need it reliable just as much as investors do. When executive remuneration rests on ESG factors increasingly, when financing terms, when borrowing terms and bond covenants rest on ESG factors more and more, then directors need this information to guide their decision-making, their risk oversight, as well as oversight of the management and strategy. And, you know, risk oversight is one of the key issues, I think, for directors, and it really brings it home. When you start to think about the ESG as part of enterprise risk management, and when you start to think about, well, how do you guide that focus on enterprise risk and how do you gather uh, the information and use it properly for risk oversight? That's, I think, where, where the, the ISSB standards will really, will really come into force for boards. We often say that you can't manage it if you can't measure it. And I'd like to add that you can't compete if you can't compare. We need this consistent data, consistent information to guide boards in their risk oversight and in their decision making. So I do think that, to your point, Frederick, that there will be less noise, less confusion, fewer inputs, but more focused inputs to boards of directors around sustainability issues. I think the other thing to point out, and this is where the industry specificity is so important. You know, we think about this from the point of view of investors. Investors, in order to make comparisons between companies, they need that industry-specific data because ESG is not one size fits all. But boards as well also need that focus. 
you can't, as we say, we can't boil the ocean. You need to focus your energies, your efforts, your attention on the issues that actually matter to risk and to enterprise value creation. Uh, so that's where the industry specificity of the ISSB standards will come in. We can look at the SASB standards as, uh, as an indication of this. But what the standard, is, a SASB standard essentially does is filter the universe of ESG factors down to just what's relevant or likely to be relevant to a given company, a typical company in a, in a given industry. And that, what that means is that you have an average of just six topics and 13 metrics per industry. That's really makes it much easier for directors to, uh, to get their arms around in terms of gathering the data storing it and reviewing it as also assuring it if need be. Thanks. That was a great response, actually. I hope you don't mind if we take one step back real quick and talk about enterprise value, which was obviously a term that you mentioned a couple of times so far. I have the experience often when talking to business leaders about corporate strategy and the advantages of a sustainable corporate strategy, how that translates into shareholder value. Can you talk to us a little bit more about how you define enterprise value and the sustainability part of that and the importance of it? So this term enterprise value really seeks to capture a company's value over the short, medium, and long-term and really encompassing all aspects of that value. So it, technically speaking, enterprise value is simply market cap plus net debt. So, you know, the, the important thing is that this is not a fixed amount. It's determined by the capital markets and it's determined based on the estimated amount and timing and certainty of future cash flows right across the short, medium, and long term. So if you think about that, what goes into determining enterprise value? Well, essential inputs include corporate reporting in financial statements, but more and more, it depends on reporting about sustainability matters that are likely to affect a business model over time. So that is uh, revenue and costs and assets, liabilities, cost of capital and or a risk profile and so on. And we know that those factors, those sustainability matters, those intangibles are more and more important to value. According to, to Ocean Tomo, intangibles are now 90% of the value of S&P 500 companies. So that's almost turned on its head. It, you're going back to the 1970s. It was about 15% of value was in intangibles and, and the rest was in the value of buildings and equipment and so on. Now we're at the completely other end where only 10% is made up of tangibles and 90% is intangibles. So you can see that uh, the enterprise value then really captures expected value creation, preservation, erosion for investors over time. And one of the important things here is that that's distinct from but it, it's also fundamentally interdependent with the value creation for all stakeholders, for other stakeholders. We can't think of it in the exactly the same light as stakeholder value creation. This is true shareholder value creation, but consider the, the interdependencies. And this is, I think, where some of the debate around uh, purpose or and also double materiality sometimes gets bogged down as though it was some kind of zero sum game, as though it was only one way direction of value creation. Whereas the fact is that creating value for stakeholders who are critical to business success is really how a business 
succeeds over time and ultimately delivers value to shareholders. So in that sense, the value for stakeholders is completely interdependent with the value for shareholders. And considering all this, Neil, what do you say to executive committees and boards who are not yet embracing any of the underlying standards of the ISSB? Well, this is going to be about performance. It's going to be about access to capital. It's going to be about genuinely making a difference as well. People get caught up in this debate over value versus values or the notion that there is some cost to focusing on ESG. Whereas what is becoming more and more apparent is that it's about shared value. It's about doing well by doing good. You know, the, the SASB was actually founded on research out of Harvard called From Transparency to Performance. And it was this idea, this theory that by focusing on a this certain set of ESG factors that actually mattered to financial performance, uh, business could improve the performance in those ESG factors and thus improve overall performance. And that's, I think, where we, coming back to your point about financial materiality, that's where businesses are recognizing that ESG is about business performance. It is about mitigating risk. And it is about, again, building value for all stakeholders who matter to a business's success in order to contribute to that success over the long term. So I, I don't think that uh, board members should anymore look at ESG as a cost or as, uh, as a burden, but rather as a means towards improving overall performance for shareholders and other stakeholders. Thanks, Neil. That was actually a great closing, but I like to bring it uh, back to a, to a more personal level and I have two more questions for you. These are questions we ask all our guests and I'm always very much looking forward to hearing the answers. So what is your favorite story of a particular leader or organization that had a big impact on yourself or society at large? Well, I'm going to give you a name as someone who's not famous, uh, but someone who has had an impact on me and my thinking about business and about ESG. Her name is Lynn Antipas Tyson, and she's the head of investor relations at Ford Motor Company. And Lynn, I find just fascinating. I think she's such an inspiring person. She's a black woman in corporate America, which is, has never been easy, is not easy. She was head of investor relations at Dell, and then she moved to Pepsi, and now she's at Ford. So she can go from vastly different industries but still always is a voice of reason in the ear of management. And she speaks truth to power. She speaks truth to management. She goes right into the CEO's office and tells them what's what. Now, what I think is really remarkable about Lynn now in her career, I mean, she's always been inspiring to me, including around things, for example, such as her work-life balance and having a family and, and her, she has a love of horses and she's been able to balance that with incredibly demanding investor relations career. But what she's doing now, I think is fascinating. Car companies to me capture the, the transition that the world has to go through now. Car companies, they're facing it all. They've got to move from fossil fuels to electricity. They've got to move their customers from one kind of vehicle to a new kind of vehicle. They've got to move their workforces. They've got to move their materials sourcing, their end of life issues and circularity. 
it seems as though they've they're facing the perfect storm of ESG challenges. And it's I think it's fascinating to see how they're conquering them. Going back to Lynn and, and what she's doing around this, first of all, she's very involved in in the executive decision making at Ford. But when it came time to communicating this transition, this is where Lynn, I think, has a very clear-eyed view of the world. Her team came to her and said, we've got to report to investors. We've got to communicate this transition, this transformation. And we think we could do it through integrated reporting. And Lynn said, let's do it. This is the way to do it. Ford this year, or rather in 2021, came out with their first integrated report. They also use uh, SASB standards and other measurements as well and around ESG performance. But the integrated report, by doing that, by setting down exactly what are the connections between ESG factors and financial performance, they've brought the, this transformation to life for employees, for customers, and of course, for investors. And now when Lynn goes into an investor meeting and sits down across the table from an institutional investor, they go straight to the page in their annual integrated report of Ford's business model, showing what are the value drivers in terms of the different resources, the human capital and social and, and environmental capital and so on. And then what are the outputs? Where is the value that Ford is building? So right away, that conversation with investors doesn't begin and end with the financial statements. It begins with a holistic view of Ford's performance. And I think that to me is uh, an inspiring business story. Yeah, that certainly sounds like an impressive lady. And I'm personally also absolutely fascinated by courageous leaders and the influence that they can have on power, like you say. Great, Neil. And very lastly, you probably already answered it throughout our conversation, but any last piece of advice for any sort of leaders who want to make a difference, whether that is a sustainable impact on business or to society again at large? Well, th this is a piece of advice that I'm passing along from many times I've heard this said by investors, by institutional investors, and they say this to companies. They say two things, really. First, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And the second thing is that ESG is a journey, so get started. I think one of the problems is that ESG can be very complex. There are so many different issues and there are so many huge challenges. We can become paralyzed in effect by the magnitude of that need and those challenges. But again, ESG is a journey. So take the first steps and then you can start to, to show progress. That's what investors are looking for. And I think that's my advice. ESG is a journey. So let's get started. I like that. Neil, thanks ever so much for joining us today. I thought it was a great conversation, very informative. Thanks for taking the time today. My pleasure, Frederick. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership Conversations. To follow our work and learn more about our reports, please check out our website, boardreport.org, and sign up to our newsletter. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Details can be found in the podcast description.